welcome back to this is hardcore podcast you just heard kings never die the track is stay true off their new record all the rats this features dan nastasi from doggy dog danny schuler deluxe a biohazard and a whole group of guys um who i don't have my notes in front of me to check so big shout out to these guys um they've been pushing themselves pretty hard they played the this is hardcore pre-show last year and once my friend Dan Nastasi recovers from some crazy surgery, hopefully they'll be back on stage in no time for the summertime. This is going to be a short one, and obviously we're doing this video, so I'm going to keep it light, keep it interesting, or not bore you guys completely to death. This time I'm wearing my cool-ass headphones, because right after this I'm going to be on a podcast with my friends Jay Reason and the one, the only, Danny Diablo, Lord Isaac. So... Kind of get dressed up, look nice, put the earphones on for these guys, and figured I'd pop a video out real quick before we get the show going. So, here we go. Um, it would be impossible to even bother talking about anything else without getting into the Coachella shit. Not because I have a responsibility to discuss Coachella, but to maybe assuage some people or calm the fire down a bit, maybe. You know, um, I feel like anytime anyone hits somewhere in the mainstream the people in this imaginary stadium of fans on twitter and social media start clamoring and deciding that this is the mit this is the moment this is the moment hardcore is going to get big and and big is argumentative big is subjective big is whatever you your metric is for it and you know, we've had many moments like this in, in hardcore before. We're probably going to have a lot more moments in the coming where different things happen. And social media driving it, everybody immediately decides that this is the moment that, you know, hardcore is going to get boom, boom, boom. But I'm telling you, at its purest, at its most simple, when it's most refined, it's not on a major record label. It's not on a label that has huge, huge distribution and hardcore at its best isn't on Coachella it's a bunch of kids playing music because they're pissed off or because they want to do something and they got the time and and that's the that's the end all be all of it the the things that kind of confluence here where you have bands that have been able to draw attention from mainstream media and able to get on things like Coachella and the insane videos from as early as the pandemic when the people from California were doing these insane shows and there was thousands of people, you know, um, that, that stuff's crazy. And then the Thompson Square Park show in New York, you know, I did feel like there was a moment not only where people having some pause between shows would kind of re congress and enjoy the atmosphere converge as so to speak better than convert <laughs> congress into this new era post-pandemic and obviously i said it many times on this podcast the year of the knife show at underground arts was the first show we had back to tons of new people the show that bob wilson did the philly hardcore show barbecue which was in all the way out in sellersville was unfucking believable hundreds of kids and yet at times, you get some boom of people. They don't stick around. Doesn't none of what I'm saying takes away from what Scal did, what Knock Loose does, any of the things that people are celebrating. It's there's there's two separate avenues here. You know, the avenue is you're 
first people are saying, this is it. There's no more barriers. Things are going to blow up. Everybody's going to eat more. It's going to get crazier. No, as that, that, that immediately eliminates so many different things. Not even the historical stuff that we have that says that many times over, hardcore bands have been elevated to different points where a band like Murphy's Law, per se, could open for the Beastie Boys at a moment when Beastie Boys were playing stadiums. Murphy's Law never got bigger. I, mean, I always loved in hardcore. Jimmy is like would be on the Mount Rushmore of hardcore, but it didn't work. And that's a crazy thing to say when a band t- plays full-ass stadiums with the, one of the biggest bands also from New York. You know, there's that's just one. There's 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 plenty of them. And the thing to, to take into consideration is what I first said. What I first said was simple. Hardcore is purest form isn't mo- meant for mass consumption. Hey, if you want to check it out, you want to buy a t-shirt, you want to come to the show, it's all you, but the basis for it I would say, if I'm really getting honest here, it's musical release of aggression, you know, maybe art. You know, if you want to say hardcore is art, that's on you. But it's a physical expression in the bands. And then the fans have this awesome surge of energy and crowd participation and this elation over being able to just be free and jump off shit and punch people to limited or no, you know, retaliation. That's what it is. Whatever you else you add to it, you add to it. You talk about record sales. Now we're not talking about hardcore shit. Now we're talking about music business shit. And I don't know one band in hardcore that's ever felt like they got their fair shake. Maybe Ian McKay, if I could ever get him to come on here, I can ask him if he feels, by being in control of his records and his archives and everything, if he feels as if by controlling what he put out, he was able to go ahead and control his destiny. But, you know... Throughout hardcore's real history, not this fantasy history where bands are on the other side of the equation getting asked to play a multi, what's it, tens of thousands? I don't know, the cat cap, 50,000, 20,000, who knows what Coachella is? I didn't Google this, I'm doing it off the top of my head. But if people pay almost $1,000 and it sells out. It doesn't sell out because Knock Loose and Scow played. Sold out because there's a bunch of dickheads who want to be seen on the internet going to this thing I do not think that this Coachella thing changes the local show in any major market I hate to use the term market but this is your words you know this is your blowing up perspective you know um, Hatebreed got pretty big in the early 2000s Jamie ascended beyond that by being the new Ricky Rackman and uh, face every weekend on the most beloved TV show for heavy metal, the Headbangers Ball in the early 2000s. That might be the high echelon of watermark that I can think of as far as what a hardcore person, true hardcore person as Jamie Jossa truly is, has ever really accomplished by ascending not just from being in a record label and doing shows and starting his band and distro and booking his bands, but becoming a person on TV now like the way this Finn McKinty, that's my boy, I talk a bust balls, but that's my boy. And these other guys that get on the internet and they um, talk to you like I'm doing. You know, uh, Jamie probably would have been the first person to do this if it was even a plausibility 20 years ago. But I think Jamie Jossa pretty much reached the high end of like a hardcore person that is culturally known beyond 
what hardcore is and did a huge amount for music. Maybe that, that's just me going, throwing it out there. And even that, Hatebreed doesn't always play to 5,000, 10,000 people. You know, and then when they do, they're playing under someone. It's a moment where they really had a huge impact, and they still do. Culturally, the younger kids loving the old records and giving love to some of the later 2000 records is crazy, and kids love that shit. That's the impact. I think that's culturally where hardcore grows. You know, we could talk about it in a million different ways, but had Greg Jen knock on ahead and do SST records, stuff like the Meat Puppets, stuff like Sonic Youth would have taken longer or taken a different path to get out to the mainstream. That's hardcore's blowing up, was being the people that created these roads that you could travel across the country and play these towns and these DIY, ven- these DIY venues and these DIY record labels became the blueprint that would eventually catapult the stuff in the late 80s and early 90s to college rock and college radio. Someone like Dave Grohl, who played in Scream and was a huge part of that first movement, would get to go ahead and be in Foo Fighters and blow up to his capacity. But no one calls Foo Fighters a hardcore band. And that's essentially what I'm saying to you. You know, like, there's no, there's no disrespect in bands growing and playing to huge audiences. But to conflate that into because these two bands were invited to this thing means it's going to blossom out to everybody. It's not, it's not possible because the Coachella crowd, they're influencer, nerd, social media people. They're not going to go out and get Agnostic Front's Victim and Pain's 40th anniversary record that's going to be out this year. I don't give a fuck. They're just like the nerd rap dudes that walk around with like a fucking Exodus t-shirt and never seen what the fuck it is. It's what it is. Doesn't mean what they did was bad, but hardcore's not going to grow that way. The way hardcore grows is the way it's always been organically. The people in your local town doing shows. The people going to the shows building bands. The bands going ahead and playing beyond the local thing. Maybe someone in the area goes ahead and puts the record out. Maybe the tour goes on and things roll on. In your local area, the seed's going to spread. As the speed, uh, seed spreads and things blossom, how you take care of what you have locally, that's going to be the determining point in what happens in hardcore in your area. You're not going to sit there and wait for a message from God above himself and say, man, once this one band blows up and plays this one festival, that's it. Hardcore is going to get bigger. No, you have to work at it. Everyone has to work at it. This is now... If we look at it, you know, if you want to argue, you could say 44 years, 45 years in the making. And still, it's, it's the, the average person could walk by you wearing an Agnostic Front shirt or a Knock Loose shirt and not conflate what the two are. They wouldn't know what either one is most of the time. Even the heralded growth and continued success of Turnstile will not be the reason why hardcore gets bigger. It may draw some people to check it out, but it's in the local promoter, the local scene, the local band, the people that work within the scene, the people like myself, the people, others who do shows, put on these festivals, and we help blossom these smaller bands. Kind of funny that we got a bunch of people talking shit because we put Scarab, which is the guys from... Uh, Tyler, who was the drummer, uh, singer of Year of the Knife, he's a drummer at Gridiron, he was a drummer agitator, he's been in every fucking band, Tyler Brez is a great band from this area, 
we put them on the bill for this hardcore and people are saying it's nepotism. It's not nepotism. Here's the people who support your scene, who build up your scene, who play in the bands that are part of your scene. And yeah, this hardcore, they're going to play early and they're going to fucking kill it. Because they are probably, unless someone sends me a better demo, the 2023's best demo and the band that I would see is like going to be the band that people are going to be talking about in 2024. Be like, yo, that Scarab band's a shit. And that's why they're fucking playing This Is Hardcore. Not because they're my friends, but because they're fucking good enough to do it. And that's the stuff that's going to grow hardcore. Making a band, building friendships, being a part of the community, helping the community blossom. It's as simple. And again, there's no detracting statements. There's no saying... These people are stupid. Wait, so no, this is their band. This is their moment. The people on their teams, marketing, managing, record label, booking agents, they worked hard to get these people in this position to help those bands out. Maybe down the line, those bands will be able to help other bands and continue it on. But as a whole, um, it takes a lot more than one or two instances. It takes the collective movement of a community. And that's the interesting aspect is, Everywhere you go, despite the homogeny that is in hardcore, where formerly a band from the Northwest wouldn't sound like a band from the East Coast. A band from Central Texas wouldn't sound like a band from fucking, let's say, Massachusetts. But in the homogenized hardcore world, it is kind of all blending together. And it's easier for people locally to do less supporting of their own bands because they see them all the time. Let's say they're a little bit further remote. They're not on the easy East Coast track, or they're not in the Texas world where you do five shows in Texas. They're not in Southern California, which historically has always been the biggest area in the country for punk rock and for hardcore and for fucking heavy metal. You know, just our crowds have always been savages for fucking 40-plus years, you know? So they're not part of these things, you know? Let's say you're in fucking fucking Denver. You know, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to take everybody working together in their own ways, doing good shows, bands still touring the real venues. Not the venues with the barricades and the merch cuts that you guys love complaining about, but playing the venues for the promoter that's on their way up. Not the one who's already established and got the fest, but the one who wants to be the person that's still going to be doing hardcore shows in five and ten years. It's one of the things that doesn't get talked about is as bands blow up, as hardcore has grown in different iterations and bands who would normally play with the hardcore promoter. Now they go to the Live Nation or the Golden Voice or AG or whatever the corporate venue is. Dude, we'd love to play for you, but we're blowing up now, cuz. Cool, now you've taken people who are hoping to get their chance to see them at the cool hardcore show. And now you gotta go to the club. Barricade, that's not a hardcore show. Don't care what you have to say about it. You know, this is... <laughs> Barricade, that's not a hardcore show. It's a rock performance. Oh, you got Ninja Moshin in the shows? Yeah, that's, uh, who cares? Anyone go on the internet and do a spin kick these days. That's not, a, that's not a hardcore show. As hardcore bands have done what they do for themselves, it doesn't mean it helps the local promoters in the area. In fact, the bigger hardcore could get, if your argument's there, the people who are hardcore aren't involved in it. The bigger band gets, the local promoters are out, the local bands can't open. You know, so for me, you know, hats off to anybody that can get their band out there, get their exposure, get the internet gleaming, get a a fucking video shared, tens of thousands. I mean, we had a show, this is Hardcore, Saturday 2016, I believe it was, and there was, 
I think like a 1.4 million views on Facebook long before the Coachella videos on it. Didn't change this article. We didn't have 200,000 people at the show the next year. It's not the way it works. Social media gives a myopic viewpoint on how things are going to blow up. And really, it's not made that way. Not everybody who sees things are going to immediately drop everything and just, you know, immerse themselves in the culture. And the culture's not built that way. And again, no no hard feelings, no no shit talking here. And someone's going to be like, hey, why is he so mad? I ain't mad. But I'm explaining to you if the present position is because bands are playing at a larger platform and they're getting this eyes, it's not going to be on everybody. Philadelphia hardcore shows are very good. New York hardcore shows are good. Boston shows are very good. Different places have different scenes. Different, you know, like a silent majority isn't going to be as big as they are in Boston. But Long Island, silent majority, no one's playing after them. Same way, I don't care. Like, Haybreed is great. If Haybreed had a play over Blacklisted, if I had Blacklisted on a show, people are going to walk out. I already saw Haybreed. I just came here for Blacklisted. <laughs> That's the way it is. There's regional shit like this. You know? And these these things have to be taken into consideration. Doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It's not me going, this is terrible. No, it's fucking great. You know, we book Scout. We book Knock Loose. We're going to show Scale I'm not allowed to talk about because we're not allowed to announce it yet. Did Knock Loose came? They could have played the big club. They played Two Nights of the Church instead. Right after the pandemic. So these bands do have their feet still in this world. And it needs to be said as well. So it's not me sitting here in a pulpit decrying popularity, decrying people being exposed to this. But I'm saying to you, just because some bands are reaching maybe career highlights, maybe a beginning of a different level of where they're going to go, doesn't mean it's going to extend to Des Moines, Iowa. Doesn't mean it's going to extend to the kid who's still trying to make things happen all the way out. They do this thing, Snow and Flurry. I think it's in one of the Dakotas. You know, it's just not the way it works. And actually, it's the beautiful thing about hardcore. People, I um, I was under the impression that quite a few actors and shit wear hardcore shirts. Cool. I know uh, the Bridge Nine t-shirts usually have it. Um, on, I forget, I'm not great with actors' names. Oh, Ben Affleck wears some hardcore Bridge Nine t-shirts. Chris Bridge Nine still had to build that new record store he's got by hand. Refurbish it, get it ready. It's not just going to happen just because someone wears a t-shirt, someone plays a big show, someone has a moment. The way hardcore is going to continue to grow is by building your fucking scene. Make a fucking band. Stop talking about making a band and make a fucking band. I know. Um, It is now going to be the thing that is going to make hardcore grow. Start a new fucking band in your area. Tell people. Make flyers for shows that already happened or tell more people. You know, there's a thousand different ways that we can go. We've gone over over and over again. But there is a lot of ways that we can make hardcore grow that are, in fact, more plausible than hoping that someone plays Coachella and then that's it. It's it's over. Every, band, every band's going to eat. It doesn't work that way. They don't need to work that way either, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's a, it's a silly idea. And it is excitement. And, and it is, and everyone should be happy. But I don't, Personally, my perspective is that hardcore isn't meant for everybody. The perspective for me is that it's meant for people who want to celebrate this culture. You know, this isn't a fucking buffet. I'm going to come over here, pick this, but I don't want that. I don't like this, you know. 
I got Shira Tara, Coda's life. Got my Judge shirt on. You fuck with Shira Tara and you fuck with Coda's life, but you don't fuck with Judge. Well, we got a problem now. <laughs> now we got a problem here. You know, this this hardcore thing that I do. It's in its seventeenth year. I think we're somewhere around four hundred, just under four hundred unique bands. I mean, many bands have played many years. Wisdom and Chains has played all but two thousand and twelve. You know, we've had over 400 bands play. They're all interconnected. This culture's interconnected. We are doing now off the backs of the few did in the late 70s when they were just trying to piece together and do something fucked up. Whether you want to call it what we do is uh, secret, um, freaking out the squares, the shit that the germs and the shit that these older bands negative approach and, you know, the people that did touch and go. You know, the meat men, all, there are sort of people all over in the first generation that put their asses into it. And people don't know them. You know, I think you want to talk about if things blow up, that's when the old, the old generation get their due, get their, get their fair shake of saying, yeah, we built this. And I think the younger cats watching this, check out some documentaries, look for some books. You'll learn some cool shit and you'll be more excited and more proud of the way that things were built up so we can do it with you. So I can sit here with this stupid camera and record this stupid podcast. It's because a bunch of dudes went out there and just did shit. They started some goofy band. There wasn't a blueprint. They had some crazy fucking names. They made some sick fucking flyers. 40-something years hardcore still existing. In the biggest elements with Coachella and the smallest elements, some small garage, some show you need to ask a punk where the fuck it is. There's bands that play in every goddamn corner of this globe, I feel like. And... Hardcore is still growing in that capacity, but I don't think it's made for mass consumption. And I think a mass-consumed hardcore scene would be a watered-down bullshit enterprise um, and a little boutique element of the disgusting music industry in the first place. So I'm glad that it's not a part of it. If you want to support hardcore, support it locally. Support the bands that are from your area because they're the ones that need that t-shirt bought. They need people telling people about it on the internet. And then when they come through and bands are coming through town, that's when you also go out there. You know, Don't be afraid to go to the venue that's a little smaller and doesn't have the security. Don't be afraid if you're on the fence. I listen to a couple hardcore things, but I'm not really sure. I don't want to get kicked in the head. Stand the fucking back. Watch the fucking show. Buy a shirt. Support this shit. That's how it's going to get bigger. That's all I pretty much got for you. Um, again, this is a video short. Nothing crazy here. Uh, load it up on YouTube. Put it up on the podcast. I erroneously made episode 113, not realizing that I didn't do a 112. So this one will be number number 112, just so that way for goofiness of not having a 112. And this is the beginning of me getting crazy fucking busy with the podcast. As I said, I'm going to be on a guest on a podcast in about 5-10 minutes somewhere else. And then this is Hardcore Podcast is going to get into fucking maybe doing two or three a week. Uh, mostly audio. I don't think, I, you know, maybe we'll do some video. We'll see how the different guests can take it and do it. But so really love the support we're getting from the festival right now. Really loving that so many Philly Hardcore shows have sold out in advance. We're halfway to being sold out um, incendiary, which will be Friday, June 23rd. We're getting ready to announce a show Saturday, June 24th. It's going to be a benefit. And um, just looking to see this year continue to blossom out. Make sure you're getting there. This is hardcore ticket. Friday sold out. Uh, we have two-day tickets, single ticket Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'm going to do more of these things. So you can check out older episodes at slash or www.tihcpodcast.com. 
And you can also find me at the Joe Hardcore on Instagram. Twitter, this is Hardcore is T I H C Fest, or this is Hardcore Fest spelled out on Instagram. And we do Philly Hardcore shows where we have tons of fucking shows. Bob Wilson, Alex Bradley, Ben Stuckey, Chris Sachs, and myself put some awesome shows on every fucking weekend of the year we can. And the Philly shows are fucking fantastic because we have awesome people in bands, awesome people that support the shows, awesome people that pay to get in and somehow still stand around and help us clean up at the end of the night because it takes a village, it takes everybody to build this shit up. I was going to say it takes a village, but I fucked up that whole quote, right? <laughs> so this is a short guy before we go on and hang out with my buddies, uh, Jay Reason and Isaac. Thanks for listening, and I got a lot more coming. So peace out. Thank you, Jess.